I'm Asam, and this is the World Cup 2018 on the 9320 player. Now, from the 14th of June, all of these podcasts will be for members only as part of the 9320 player service. But for the next nine days, we're going to make all our content available on SoundCloud. So those of you who don't know what we do on the player can get a feel for it. Those of you who are members already, thank you. And rest assured, once the paywall goes back up, there'll be plenty more content coming your way throughout the entirety of the tournament. Right, let's get into today's podcast. Firstly, we've got a debutante, uh, David, aka DJD underscore 14 on Twitter. Welcome, mate. Hi, Aysan, you okay? Very good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Not bad. Excellent. Looking forward to your first time? Absolutely. Bit nervous, bit starstruck. Nah, give up. You'll be fine. Aysan <laughs> does that to people, yeah. yeah. I was just about to say, speaking of rock stars, we've got the one and only Mr. Howard Hawking podcaster, author extraordinaire. Welcome, Howard. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Not bad. Excellent. Not bad. Excellent. Um, before we crack on, may I just remind everybody, if you haven't already purchased Howard Hawkins' excellent season review book, um, please go to Amazon uh, via our Twitter feed or Howard's Twitter feed and order yourself a copy. We'll make for perfect summer reading. Okay, so, gentlemen, you both know exactly where we're going to begin. Yaya Torre did an interview on France Football yesterday, and I just, uh, yeah, I was rendered both speechless, and also I had plenty to say when I saw it. But before I speak, I'm going to start with you, Howard. Thoughts on that interview? (laughs) I I think it would have been great for you to start with a 20-minute rant, but uh, we'll save you to last... Well, we, we both knew it was. We knew it was coming. I mean, it's predictable yeah. in a way. The content was slightly more, well, slanderous would be one word, and disgraceful uh, is just two that spring to mind. It went further than I imagined. Uh, I can I can pretend to be shocked, outraged, blah blah blah. But to be perfectly honest, I'm not <laughs> because this is just this is. Just per, you know, textbook stuff from Yaya. I might have gone further, but he's left the club, so we knew he'd go further now. Anyway, what can you say? I said on Twitter yesterday, I don't, he's gone now. Pep's the main man. Don't give a damn what he says, to be honest. And you have to separate from me. Personally, you have to separate the footballer and the human being. Uh, I'm sure he's not evil, Yaya, but at the end of the day, there's ways of behaving at a club. He's had a chip on his shoulder for his whole career. It's not just to do with Pep. He's always maybe there's some better, yeah. There's some truths in there about African football not getting the respect it deserves. Some uh, valid points he's made, but he's taken it far too far. Uh, and yeah, that doesn't really involve Pep because he didn't do it for Pep, and that's why he didn't play. Uh, yeah, he's always had a chip on his shoulder. He's always had uh, obviously Dimitri as his. Uh, spokesperson saying what you know and he didn't he didn't speak off his own back Dimitri is speaking what Yaya told him to say and he's been a you know he's been a huge problem the whole time he's been here after we won the league in 14 there was just no need to kick up a fuss after such an amazing league victory but to do it over a cake now I I would give him some leeway that summer his younger brother was dying which we found out later and I would hope none of us know have to go through that ever or experience that pain and I'll give him some leeway if he acts like a jerk 
under circumstances, but we all know that it goes a lot deeper than one summer and one cake on a plane. Uh, could be a good title for a movie, that. Cakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, pitch it for oh. me, Ace. <laughs> You're better at this. <laughs> uh, the, the recent stuff. Now, we're not, part, we're not in the training ground. We're not in the inner circle. We can't, I can't sit here and say, Pep's not a racist, but we can also, of course, say with great confidence that he is. I can say Pep's not a racist. Yeah, well, we could say with absolute almost certainty, this is this is just ridiculous. Now, we can trawl through all the plays he's, he's, he's played in his, you know, he's picked in his managerial career to make a point, but there's very little point doing that. He's fallen out with players before. Some are white, some are black, some are, you know, it doesn't matter if they're green, red, blue. Uh, they've all been feisty players in the same way that Mancini fell out with Balotelli. Two feisty players coming together. We know Pep rules a certain way and he doesn't like dissent. And in Torre, he's the sort of person who would fall foul of that and it's as simple as that. Uh, should Howard should a, should should a manager have to have to tolerate dissent? In the, and I'm, I'm, I asked that question in the sense that I believe that the to, what Torre has said about Pep is something that the other players who have had problems with Guardiola. So that would be literally Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Samuel Leto, because I can't think of another player who's got a problem with Guardiola, certainly a public one. Um, both of those players, they seem to imply that that Pep doesn't like quote-unquote big players or big personalities. Should a manager have to tolerate loudmouth dickheads in the dressing room? Uh, well, you could you could suggest that maybe Hart was a, you know, a loud voice in the dressing room and that might have been a, a reason. Uh, well, there's no right answer for that. Every manager is utterly unique in how they work that dressing room all I can say is that I've not seen morale as good at this club this season ever I mean obviously when results go well morale kind of takes care of itself but it's working right now uh, there's no right way so you have to micromanage you're a manager just a manager in any business every single player has to be dealt with differently so it's an arm round Sterling another player might need to be shouted at Need a kick up the arse. That's what makes them play better. Some have to be tread on eggshells because they're very sensitive, or have got a, a moron of an agent called Dimitri. It's just the way, you know. It, it's up to him. It's he'll manage how he feels fit. Yeah, you know, how it. Yeah. It's about results at the end of the day. And if people fall foul, every single club there are players falling out of managers. Every single one, all over the country all over the world, every week, all the time. There's no right or wrong way. This is Pep's way. Uh, if we don't like it, we get rid of the manager. But otherwise, we do as he says. He's in charge, not just of the team, but pretty much he's running the roost. Yeah, he's like running the place right now. Uh, mm. And if yeah, if some if the big name falls foul, so be it. If they don't fit into the way he plays, then they go. They can fall out. They can bitch about each other. It doesn't matter uh, if he's getting results on the pitch. But the one last... I've gone on for far too long, as I knew I would. The one last thing, as I said on Twitter, to go full circle, you've got to separate... Uh, it's not for me to say what a club legend is. It's subjective. It's a definition of a word. I think Yayo is one of the most important players. I don't like to rank players like Silva, Aguero, Company, Torre, but he's one of the most important players in our history. But that's a very different thing to, to what he is off the pitch. 
and I think it affects his legacy, in, which he obviously doesn't care about. And we can go on about the fans all he wants, but he doesn't care. It's about him and how he's seen as a footballer in the history books. And you have to separate the two. I, you know, I can say I don't like him as a human being, the way he's acted, and the way he's called, and most, most inexcusable, even more, well, you can't get much more inexcusable than, you know, uh, playing the race card, but for calling out current players saying they hate him, that is beyond the pale for me. Mm. Um, David, do you think that it's conceivable on any level that Yaya Torre has got any argument that from a footballing perspective, at some point in the last two years, he was treated unfairly by Pep? No, absolutely not. Um, I think there were question marks after Pellegrini's last season. Um, mm. And obviously he missed the first the first three, almost three months of Pep's first season. Um, it he was deemed not good enough. He was deemed unfit, whatever it may be. Um, he had to come out and apologise at that point, which I think that's a fair, that that's probably something that he holds against Pep, that he, he forced him into a public apology, which was the first time he'd had to do anything like that while at City. Um, and, and this season, it, to be fair to him, I, I think he earned his extra year. I think his performances um, in the second half of Pep's first season, season earned him um, that extra year. But it's it's clear this season he he's he's just he was just so off the pace, um, and in a team that is based around quick movement, quick passing, um, speed on on the wings, he 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 stood out like a sore thumb at times. Um, and for, for me, no, he was he was he was worthy of the odd cup appearance early on. Um, and the, the dead rubber in the Champions League. That, that mm. was it for me. A cynic would suggest that those performances in the second half of Pep's first season in charge were were um, motivated by uh, a desire to win a new contract. And once that new contract was won, his uh, performances reverted to a, to a kind of mean, so to speak. Well, a, a cynic may say that. Um, <laughs> but... If if this if this issue with Pep was ongoing uh, at the time, why why would you try and uh, uh, why why would you sign that extra year yeah. with, at City Indeed. if it was such an issue after the first season? Why why would you sign that extra season? Fair enough that before that that performance is uh, warranted a new contract. Didn't necessarily need to be at City, and if things were that bad with the manager. Why would you? Why would you sign that extra year? A, a cynic might it suggest. Make sense. A cynic might suggest that he talked himself around and got nowhere. So then suddenly started playing <laughs> yeah, well to point. get an extra year at City. <laughs> is what a cynic <laughs> might suggest. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, 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 I'm, I was rendered uh, pretty speechless by that interview because I, as we said, we had a feeling that something would come when the season ended, but we didn't know what would come. But I don't think any of us. Uh, expected that it would be, you know, Guardiola is a racist. Um, I just think that, uh, Howard, David, I'm going to ask you both this. Do you think that anybody legitimately will read Torre's comments and fall on Torre's side of the fence and go, oh, he might have a point there? Or do you think that as a whole, he's kind of made himself a bit of a laughing stock by speaking so outrageously about a guy who, as you both point out, offered him a new 12-month contract a year ago, which he gladly accepted. How would I start with you? 
No, I don't think any City fans would. Maybe some random weirdos on Twitter might, but I don't think we need to take yeah, much notice of that. So, no, not at all. I just, I, I don't know where you go with this. I, you know, it's just beyond the pale, really. And uh, as we're about to, we're about to sign a seventy-five million pound African player. Uh, then <laughs> it kind of debunks that argument, unless Yaya Torre thinks that you know the north of Africa doesn't count, and he's you know he's making very specific allegations about a certain part of Africa that you know it's just it's horrible whichever way you look at it. And uh, I, no, that's the point. Why did he? That's the thing with Yaya. He's probably so in such a bubble that he thinks. What does he think he's getting out of this? He, He's hawked himself around to tell this story, and he he probably he probably honestly feels that he'll get some support for this. That he's going to destroy the Pep myth, as he said, and he's he's utterly deluded. <laughs> he's utterly deluded if he thinks this is going to turn people against Pep. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless um, he came up with some proof, which of course he won't because he can't because there isn't any. Dave, yeah, I think, think. I sorry, Dayson. I was just going to say on the back of that, I, I think he's, he's he's tried to be clever by praising the club and praising the fans, but after the last season, the one thing yeah. you don't, don't go against at City is Guardiola. Um, <laughs> fans just aren't going to buy into that. And when you see so many holes in his in his argument, as Howard just said about Mahrez being a top target, um, there, there's numerous holes in his argument. And, and I, I, I agree, I haven't seen any... City fan take him seriously. I haven't seen any football fan take him seriously, and I think he he made his bed to a certain extent after the 2014 season when he was he was so good. Um, and then we had birthday cake gate. Um, and I think he, he lost a lot of um, a lot of respect publicly after that. I think that um, we often forget the extent to which uh, Dimitri Sel- Selchuk went to town on the owners. Um, in the summer of 2014. And if you remember, back then, there were comments already from Selchuk about Guardiola taking over. Um, and there were already comments from him uh, about the club trying to replace Yaya and never being able to replace him and never winning anything. I think I think he said something along the lines of, if they sign Paul Pogba... Um, I don't know. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was that interview, that entire interview was absolutely mental. And I think that actually with hindsight, part of the responsibility for this, what's happened, it falls on the club's shoulders because Torre was finished uh, the summer that, that Guardiola pitched up. Without question, he was finished. Anybody who saw his performance at the Bernabeu knew he was finished. Um and everybody knew not only what Torre was like, but how he fed things to his agent and the things that his agent said. And he should have been he should have been yarded at that point. They should have got rid of him at that point. As soon as Pep came in, they should have known that this will end really, really, really badly and they should have got rid of him. And they didn't. And I'm not trying to say that anybody could have predicted the fact that Torre said that Guardiola's a racist, but I don't think that it was a stretch to predict that when Torre was moved out of the club after Guardiola came, that he would take that out on 
Guardiola. Um, I just want to say that it really wouldn't... Having read that interview, I expect Torre's next move. I, I don't know if either of you have seen this morning, Dmitry Selchuk has done an interview in Russia where he said that Yaya Torre will play for a top six Premier League club for one pound a week. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah, the, next move, the next move is Yaya Torre to Manchester United. You can write it down. I, I think that's where this is headed. Um, I'll actually now normally obviously I'd be aghast at that but he's gone as a footballer and I actually now more than anything hope he lines up against us next season (laughs) just to see if he can get near the ball yeah and I think it would say a lot about um, what Mourinho's intentions are as opposed to uh, yeah. these are winning something as opposed to, well, you know, just signing players to troll Guardiola. Yeah, exactly. And um, to think of it from the City point, there'll be City fans who'll absolutely be, you know, like disgusted if he signed for United. But what would you think as a United fan if they signed Yaya Toy, a player whose legs went two years ago? It's yeah, not really a statement of intent, is it? So, of ambition no, be- of we're going to get back to the top. It would be pretty hilarious though. It would yeah. definitely be pretty hilarious. Hey, David, can you see Torre pitching up at, at at United after his agent's comments this morning about playing for a pound a week for the top six? I mean, I'm scared of ruling anything out with uh, in in Premier League football uh, anymore. But no, no. I I mean, when the rumours of West Ham came around with when Pellegrini joined, I could kind of see that. But again, I think a lot of a lot of Premier League teams would have looked at his performances last season and thought. And then following, you know, with the the interviews and the, the stuff in the press afterwards, I think people will think he's he's far too much trouble than he's worth at this stage of his career. Yeah, yeah. I also, I just think the, the interview, it, it, I don't know how if you're a Premier League club, you sign that guy because you just sort of go, this guy's a liability. And, and he, he's obviously <laughs> got a, a really, really, really inflated idea of his own quality and his own ability. Because look, even if you, you know, whether you're the scout of United or you're the scout of West Ham if you're going to sign Yaya Torre you'll get a couple of videos of his performances last season and the season before and I'm sorry but there's nothing in those performances that would suggest that he's a player who can who can still cut it and yeah. come August he's like 35 and a half by then you know he's just getting older and older at that time of the period where you really drop off that you know that mm. age it's just but there's always someone there's always someone that, that take, just when you you know you just look at some of the signings there's always someone who'll take a gamble on him but I can't especially see I can't see week. being a top six <laughs> a pound a week yeah especially at a pound a week yeah we'll have to we'll have to look into that anyway listen that's enough about uh, that's enough about sorry I uh, can't even bring myself to say his name to be honest with you okay um, so. Let's talk about the World Cup, since this is our first World Cup podcast. Um, England played Nigeria the other night. England have played a couple of friendlies so far. I think we've all had a chance to have a little look at, at, at how we think England will set up. Uh, David, I'm going to start with you. Thoughts on the City players in the England setup, their positions under Southgate, how you feel that's unfolding at the moment? Well, I th- it seems that the three at the back is going to be Southgate's preferred option um, and Walker as the right side of the back three. I've seen quite a lot who, who suggest that the Southgate's missing a trick really by not having Walker as, as the wing back with his, his pace being able to get up and down. But 
I, I, I've, I've come round to him as, as a right-sided centre-half in a three. I think if England are going to dominate the ball, as as to be fair, we have done for um, the, the couple of years under Southgate, and if we are going to be pushed up high up the field, I, I think he is concerned about when we lose possession, um, being hit on the break, and there's no, none of the, the centre-halves really have that explosive pace that... That Walker does, and I think Walker's shown this season as well. He's not just a marauding fullback; he is tactically astute. He can, um, he picks his times when to go, um, and I, I think he's he, he's more defensively aware than I initially gave him credit for when he joined City. Mm. Um, if 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 this if I was interested to see that he played the one holding midfielder um, and and two number eights as a city tend to do in the center of midfield against Nigeria. Um, I do wonder in the tournament against a bigger team, if we will, if we will revert to type and, and go with two holders, if that's the case, I think there's definitely scope for Delft being in there. Um, I think Dyron Henderson, a bit much of a muchness and I think Delft can be a bit more progressive. Um, whether he'll get the opportunity or not, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I I think he will be maybe a, a, a player brought on to see a game out. Um, with what about Loftus St- Cheek? I well, I could see I could see Loftus Cheek as being one of the one of the number eights. Um, really? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm not sure about him in a two. Okay. I, I'm not sure he's. I, I'm not sure he's he's tactically aware enough, and I'm. I'm I think he's fantastic on the ball. Um, I, I think he's really underrated, actually, and I think um, th- there was a quite a bit of surprise when he was named in the squad. I, I was I was happy with that choice. I think uh, I think he's re- he's really dynamic. He can beat a man in the centre of a park, um, and, and his passing's passing's not bad either. So, but I, I'm not sure you play him in a two. But potentially, you could play him in a two against uh, um, one of the weaker oppositions. But it seems that Southgate had preferred to play. The holder, two number eights, and then someone in and around Kane, who obviously in the in the Nigeria game it was Sterling. Um, I, I was I was surprised to stick the Sterling. Well, again, I say I shouldn't be surprised, <laughs> but it, the the stick the Sterling got after the Nigeria game. I, 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 he causes so much havoc in and around um, in that number ten role or in and around um, the, the centre halves. The he creates space for others, which often goes unnoticed. He he beats a man. He's, he's good in small spaces. He's, his runs are intelligent. Um, I heard some criticism after the, the, the chance where he was put through by, by Young and he, he, he chipped the keeper and he went wide. I heard people saying, well, yeah, but Vardy would have uh, would taken that chance. And maybe Vardy would, but I don't think Vardy would have, been, would have created that chance himself. Um, and I think no. that's the difference that Sterling can create something at, a, at the drop of a hat and... We know his his finishing isn't perfect by any means, but he he he's so dangerous and he's so unique in that position that it, it causes defense defenses so many headaches. I, I really like him centrally, um, and I think it's no coincidence that as the season progressed, Pep often used him inside a lot more. Um, and I think we'll probably go on to to talk about Sane, but that, there's a clear difference between Sterling and Sane. There is that. Sterling is a lot more comfortable inside than Sane. Definitely, and I think that, that I think that 
something that you touch upon there, which I think Sterling is so enormously underrated for, and it's the key to why I think Guardiola loves him, and it's also the key to why I think he'll start every game game for England. It's that he's tactically far more intelligent than than people give him credit yeah. for. He's effectively a player who can play as a number nine. He can play wide on the right. He can play wide on the ref, left. He can play as a central uh, attacking midfield player. I mean, he's just, he's got that tactical flexibility and he affords the team a kind of tactical flexibility that literally, I don't think there's anybody else in the England squad who's got his quality and that tactical flexibility. Um, Howard, are you, are you worried about John Stones in any way, shape, or form in terms of this world cup? I, I know that we I know that there's been a lot of focus on Raheem in the last few weeks and the negativity surrounding him. Stones is a young lad, and I think that he's also somebody who the media will be watching very, very closely at the World Cup. Yeah. Any concerns from, from your side? Yeah, because well with any player, there has you know. I say if it goes wrong for England or when it goes on wrong for England, there has to be a scapegoat mm-hmm. and he's prime target. Uh, I think what does help that we have two, we're not going to be easy, but we have two very winnable games before Belgium. And if he can ease himself, because he's not been playing week in, week out at the end of the domestic season and he's had his injury problems and it's been a truncated season, he can ease himself in. Uh into this tournament as well as well as into the England side but there's no doubt that just one misplaced pass and the vultures will descend on him but that's just the way it is uh, I don't know how closeted they are in the England camp or what they see you know if there is a bad performance I would hope that they'd stay away from reading the media anyway and just concentrate but they're stuck in a hotel so you know for weeks they probably do see a lot of things so yeah it, mm. it is a worry because it's the mental side as much as anything. He has to believe that one mistake just should not change the way he plays. And I don't think it will change the way he plays, but hopefully he'll get eased into the tournament with the first two games where we dominate possession and are up against two defensive sides. Yeah. Um, do you think that... Do you like that back three? Uh, I don't... Walker Stones and Cahill or Walker Stones and Maguire, whoever it is. Well, David made very valid points. I still... I still would prefer to see Walker bombing down the wings. Yeah, he can do this job. I just feel that Southgate's turned to it pretty late, but he does give pace in that defence. Uh, just my worry is how how used you know just the three of them are they used to it? Still got time, of course, to work on it. Uh, it it's okay. I do, I think against defensive sides, it makes more sense. If we came up against Belgium, I I just wonder if he'll change it around. And Nigeria in the second half changed, went like for like and caused us a lot of problems and we lost domination completely. I don't know if that's down to a back three or just just the nature of a friendly, to be honest. Well, I've got a... I, it's, I'm, I was going to raise that a bit later, but we'll, we'll talk about Sorry. it now. I'll, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I'll throw it over to David and then you can tell me what you think as well. From, from where I was sat, it really felt like it, they came out in that second half with the instruction to play completely differently to the way in which they played in the first half because it was, to me, it just seemed really noticeable 
that they were doing the opposite of what they did in the first half. So whereas in the first half, they were aggressive, they pressed, they were on the front foot. It seemed that they came out in the second half having been told to keep their shape and almost to use it as a training exercise for the bigger games, if that makes sense. David, what do you think about that? Well, it's the it's the big phrase of game management, isn't it? That, um, that Southgate was asked after a, uh, after the game. I think um, I think credit has to go to Nigeria for that. I think that the change of formation and going light for light worked for them, and mm. it wasn't just a change of formation. They really upped the tempo, and I think um, th- I think England were comfortable managing Nigeria in the first half. I don't think there there was um, there what. <laughs> They weren't. They weren't offering much first half Nigeria, but as I said, the, the tempo was a big thing for me. And when the when the goal came fairly early, I think I, I agree with you. I think that's when they went back to try and manage the game, and they did noticeably go deeper. Didn't dominate the ball as much, and I, I presume that's something that uh, Southgate thinks that is we, we're going to have to do at some point in the World Cup, probably at some point in the group stage. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I can see that, but I think I think that Nigeria deserve credit for for the change in formation and the the increase in tempo. Okay, cool. Um, Howard, generally, there's a lot of negativity around the the England national team. Um, I think we're we're kind of guilty of it during the season as well because of the timing of friendlies and stuff like that. Um, but do you get the sense that the players are a little bit more optimistic going into this tournament than they have been previously, or is this something that we always have right before a tournament where there's this kind of faux optimism that suddenly appears from somewhere and then quickly dissipates once the tournament starts? Yeah, apart from the sun trying to ruin everything, <laughs> yeah, with stories <laughs> or tabloids, I do. I think a few tournaments ago, just people gave up <laughs> on England and just decided to enjoy the ride rather than putting this pressure on. Uh, it's the young squad. I think it's the younger squad at the finals, uh, and I think that may have just altered the mindset of people that perhaps Southgate, who Let's, was not an exciting appointment uh, and where I still have my doubts about him tactically has just said all the right things off the field and how he's handled situations and players just a feeling of a fresh start in a way and let's see how it goes with a young squad and building for the future and it just feels that way uh, having said that one draw against Panama and you can scrub all that optimism and we're back to where we were it won't. Mm. It won't take much for the you know putting a turnip's head on Southgate's body, uh, <laughs> s- scapegoats and death threats, and you know sun articles about someone laughing, an England player laughing just days after a defeat. It won't. It won't take much. But I do feel that there is, yeah, just this like more relaxed. Let's see how it goes. And no one is expecting us to win the tournament. And I think general acceptance of that, that we may have a very good side in the future, but a building towards that might might just have contributed towards a more relaxed feeling. Mm. David, would you go along with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Howard hit the nail on the head there. I think um, it's it's the youth that people are excited about, and I think they they are willing to give them a chance. Um, whether the media agree, um, if if we do get a negative result in one of the first two games, that's a, that's a complete other story. But it is it's that that there's not the expectation, um, and it's a, it's probably the first tournament, um, you know, in the last in the last 
20 years or so where where people are just going along for the ride uh, are looking forward to it from a football perspective rather than a um expectation or, or, or anything like that and people want to just see the the youngsters express themselves and um i think southgate has has got a lot of respect in the in in it, with the public for for acting like that um mm. and for picking the squad as such rather than going for the the tried and tested for the 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 players who are coming back from injury um he seems to have broken the mold a little bit and hopefully that continues mm. um are there any positions which you think have got question marks over them like do you, do you think that the best the, the the starting 11 in the first group game is decided already or do you think there's a couple of spots that are still up for grabs i think the left wing back is is still up for grabs um yeah. I mean, I'm still surprised that Bertram didn't make the squad um, with with Rose not playing a great deal last season. Um, I, 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 it could be. I, I think it's a toss of a coin, really, for for um, Rose or Young. I think Young probably offers a little bit more going forward and can can put in a better better delivery. Um, Is it not a worry though that we just become ridiculously narrow if we play um, if we play Young on the left? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Um, but that's where I think that's where I think Sterling can. Um, that that's where part of Sterling's role is is True. to move out wide and to to. He, he should have that freedom. Hopefully, he does have that freedom. But he um, he, he, he for me, he should be able to go anywhere he wants and 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 understand uh, at which point to go where. Yeah, um, I think. I think on the other side, I, I, it seems like he's set with Walker in the in the back three, so therefore Trippier will will be a right wing back. Um, I presume he'll stay with Dyer over Henderson, um, and, and he will play with the two eights of of Lingard and Ali. Um, may, maybe there's a debate for Maguire over Cahill, but I thought Cahill did did pretty well against Nigeria, and he and he seemed to finish the season well with Chelsea. So it may just be the left wing back role, especially as as how I mentioned the two. The two first group games are against your weaker or you know more defensive opposition. I think we can afford to go with um, the the two number eights as opposed to two holders. Mm. Yeah, um, I think. What about? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just agree. I, I think Rose will start. I think I think it's his spot if he proves his fitness. Uh, and I think yeah, everything. Little to add there. I think it's pretty much. It's just that middle of the field. Uh, I'm afraid Lingard. Ali does not uh, Deli Ali does not <laughs> fill me with confidence because I don't think Deli Ali's been in great form to be honest uh, and Lingard's not he's tailed off domestically big time you know, with goals at least uh, it's very uninspiring so he may change that area around but no I think I think it is pretty much nailed down that 11 Uh you know, apart from injuries, uh, the only, you know, people like Vardy Henderson will mm. be used as substitutes unless something changes in the meantime. But I think I do think Rose, yeah, if he's got, he's not experimenting now with formations. It's too late for that. So it's the back three, uh, and Cahill has got back into the Chelsea side, and so he'll stay in the England side as well because of that, and he's playing well again. Uh, and I think it's just I do think Rose if he's fit uh, he'll probably start you know on Thursday and I think it's his position if he proves his fitness 
and doesn't play appallingly. So, yeah, it's pretty nailed down for me. Okay. Um, any worries, Howard? Now I'll throw this over to David as well. Any worries? Because I, I think that at least five or six of the players who played against Iceland in you know what many people consider to be England's worst ever performance and result in a tournament um, will 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 start the first group game in in the World Cup. Does that worry you, Howard? Do you think there'll be you know any kind of mental scars there? Uh, it's long time into a week's long time in football to, to, to totally ruin a, a different phrase saying <laughs> <laughs> um, no I don't think so I mean a lot's happened to them all domestically and elsewhere since then it would be a distant memory uh, my concern is just how good the team is you know as I just said in the middle creativity and scoring goals I think is is the problem in this side I think they proved in the friendlies. We can't take everything from friendlies, but you know, in the last six months or so, that they aren't doing too bad in defence. Don't concede many goals. Uh, but as always, yeah, you know, they could be a tough in a cup competition. You want a team that's not going to lose many games or tough to to actually beat. And I think they are getting they're moving towards that. But this is not a team I think that's got a lot of goals in them. Mm. And that's my worry. Not a psychological side, just a goal-scoring side. Uh, people like Ali and Lingard have got to step, and Sterling, of course, have got to step up and contribute in that in that respect. Okay, David. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, and I think you you could quite easily see one of the first two games finishing goalless. Um, I think defensively, England have been pretty good over this um, the, the qualifying campaign, but I agree with Howard. Um, it seems quite. It does seem quite reliant on Kane, um, but it's. I don't think it's not a team that creates loads and loads of chances. Um, so is that is is that side being clinical again? Um, but no, in terms of the 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 mental scarring from Iceland, I think it's a it's a different manager who's bringing a different mentality, different formation, um, a, a lot of new players in the squad. And I think a lot has happened since then. And I think the feel-good factor, to a certain extent, is is back following uh, the, the qualifying ca- campaign. And it, f- it feels new, basically. Um, so mm. I, hope, I hope that's the case. It, you know, <laughs> likewise, it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it did all crumble in the first two games. But um, I'm, I'm fairly hopeful. <laughs> Naive don't we, me a don't, lot. <laughs> don't we always get... Don't we always get more... Optimistic the closer a tournament well, gets. No, I mean, are I, you I'm, are you I'm, hopeful? I'm, I'm, sorry, are you hopeful? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I don't know if hopeful is the right word. I like. Um, I think that this group of players are at club level playing under coaches that have given them the confidence that they will be able to take to the World Cup, um, and I think that that's a big thing. I think it is a young team. I think they do. They, I do think they've got a little bit of a free hit in a weird way because of what happened at the last tournament. I think that they can kind of go there with no pressure and and just kind of play and see see what happens. Um, I would tend to agree about the fact that I think we look defensively pretty solid. Although I think you know Stones does have a mistake in him whether we like it or not, and you know those mistakes potentially will get exposed. I think my biggest worry is is we have tried very much to to keep the ball and play from the back. And 
And I like that. And I think that, you know, against Panama and sides like that, I think we will be able to do that. I think where I'm worried is when you come up against better sides, when you come up against sides who are going to try and press us further up the pitch, I'm not being funny, but England aren't City and, you know, they aren't going to pass their way through a high press in the way that City can. Um, And even City have found at times it difficult when talented teams press them high up the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how we do against teams like Belgium. And and also it'll be interesting to see how much respect teams like Belgium pay, pay us, whether they, you know, whether they come out to play immediately um, and don't fear the pace that we have going the other way in Sterling um, or whether they show us a little bit of respect. But no, overall, I mean, I'm, I'm not wildly optimistic, I'm not starting to go, we're going to win the World Cup, but I think we'll get through the group and then yeah. it's a lot. It's a lottery after that. Yeah, it, it, last, first or second or last 16 should be winnable, uh, but yeah. we may well hit Germany in the quarters. But again, you know, we were the equal of them in a friendly, that doesn't tell you much. Well, they've not won in five games, so you just don't know, do you? I do, well, listen, I do have this theory as well that uh, international sides don't press as much as club sides, but I have no evidence to back that up. It's just a thought in my head. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if if the England defence is pressed high, like they are, you know, like some club sides do. Yeah, no, that's a that's a. I think that's a fair shout. It's a very fair shout. Um, you segued nicely there, Howard, with your. Uh, yeah. With, with your comment about Germany. Um, moving on from England, because I think we've covered, you know, most of the stuff that I want to cover before the group stages start. Um, Leroy Sane being excluded from the Germany squad is the biggest kind of, I think, City-related news after Yaya Torre's interview from this week. Um, David, are you surprised? Oh, massively surprised, yeah. Um, it was a huge shock when I when I saw it. Um so I did a bit of reading yesterday about why it might have been, and I saw Sam Lee's article. Um, I looked at so, so I believe that Germany paid three at the back on occasions, and they don't real really feel Sane can fit in as as a wing back. And then when they have played the four at the back, the wingers generally took in, um, which again they don't think that's Sane's strength. And it's it's difficult because obviously was as as reigning champions. The manager's got, you know, a lot of substance behind him. Um, and he's obviously picking players that all fit his systems. But that said, Sane's talent after the season he's had, he's, he's just an, a game changer. Um, when something's not working, if, you know, fair enough if he doesn't want to start with him, but he's a game changer. Um Oh mate, you can put him in any circumstance. If you if you defend in the lead for him to play on the break, if you if you want him to try and break a defense down with a a run and a cross or a shot from outside the box, he offers so much and he's unique. And that there really aren't many players in the world like him. And for him to not make the the squad, it 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 really really surprised me. Okay, Howard. Yeah, uh, basically the same. I I thought bloody hell. <laughs> I wonder if can he be left out then did some reading up and it went oh yeah uh, I think Raphael Honigstein did a an article as well uh, it's just different styles he doesn't fit in to Lowe's style uh, it's very different to City uh, doesn't have the freedom that not Lowe does not have you know touchline huggers he doesn't have very wide players with freedom to uh, to go at fullbacks 
Uh, I've seen a few clips of him. He's, he's in the middle and he's just struggling, you know, struggling there, being more central. It's just not, not doesn't play to his uh, his skill set. And the fact is, because he's been, you know, it's not all his fault. He's not being played to his strengths and he's not performed for the national side at all. But even that said, I didn't expect him to start in the summer. Uh, you know, he would have been one hell of a, you know, a substitute to be able to bring on. So I'm surprised he didn't make the squad for that reason. But they are a tad overloaded. And we've seen it in other, in those areas that, you know, they have got plenty of options. Uh, but you've seen it in other, you know, he's one of those managers. So I think the uh, Brazil manager as well, not just picked the best 23 players, he's picked... He picked players to suit the system, which is why Sandro and I think Fabino didn't get into their squad. It's just that's you know it's just unfortunate. And you know Bertrand didn't get in because Delphi suddenly uh, an auxiliary left back, and people have suffered. You know uh, Lowe said he he was left out in a photo finish with Brandt, and I've not really you know been monitoring the German players, but I don't think they've all been in top form either. And he has, so it seems on the surface a very strange decision but it's unfortunate for him he just doesn't fit in to the way the national side plays mm. um, is this a bad thing for City or a good thing for City yeah I don't sorry but in I, everyone go oh we'll be refreshed now I, I don't see it that way at all I think players want to play in the World Cup obviously it, that means it disrupts the beginning of the season but I'd rather have Sane who's played in the World Cup or been in the squad and someone who's been kicking his heels all summer. So Really? Yeah. I nah, mean, I don't think he was going to play that much, so he wasn't going to be a starter. I'd rather he've had the experience. Nah, I'd rather he I'd rather he gets a full preseason with City. Could I, I don't I don't care that he's not going to the well, World it, Cup at all. Depends I think how it's he reacts to it, doesn't thing. it, of course. So Have you seen his comment underneath Carl Walker's <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's 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 not taking it. He's not. He's obviously not locked himself in a darkened room. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. he's avoiding the internet and avoiding social media. So I think he's doing all right. Um, David, any concerns about the uh, the rumours of of his attitude playing a part in them excluding him? Not particularly. No, I think he he comes across as someone who is very self-confident, virgin on a touch of arrogance. And I think the type of player he is, he, he needs that in his personality and he needs that in his game. Um, you know, as long as he's he's not really acting up in the changing rooms and affecting other team members, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure there's much behind that. I think it's more to do with the... Um, the tactical side um, and the system not necessarily suiting him. I think he's, uh, as I said, he's, he's shown that he does have that, that swag about him. Um, uh, when, you know, last season we've seen, we saw it quite a lot, especially when he was in form. So um, no, I, I think you need that. I think you need that in his, his position in terms of the type of player he's trying, trying to be uh, and he wants to be. Mm. And what about for you? Do you think that it's uh, uh, good for City or bad for City that he gets a summer off? No, see, I agree with Howard. I saw a lot yesterday of um, great, he gets a summer off. And although he's, um, al- although he's, he is, a, he has that arrogant, you know, confident side of him. I, I, I do wonder about how it will affect him. And it's, it's more the fact that if, I, I don't know whether 
the Germany manager will stay on after the World Cup, and, and maybe that all maybe results will decide that. But if if he's almost kind of out of his plans to a certain extent because of the way he plays, then you know the the World Cup and tournament football at international level is is the pinnacle for a player. And if if he hasn't got if if he's if it looks like he might not be involved over the next two four years, I you know that that surely has to affect him. To to a certain extent, so I, th- I think Pep's got a, Pep's got a job to do there, like like he did with Sterling after um, the 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 Iceland defeat and the, the, that tournament with England. I, I think Pep's got a job to do there. Okay, fair enough. Um, pushing forward, Brazil played Croatia at, uh, at Anfield, um, and Gabi Jesus started as their as their number nine. Um, Howard, who should lead the line for Brazil, Firmino or Jesus? I could lose as uh, followers here. <laughs> it's one of the Twitter arguments, you know, but obviously between City and Liverpool. I really like Firmino. Uh, and I think he... I mean, but basically the opinion in, in Brazil is quite clear that Jesus is the future of Brazilian football. Mm. Uh, yeah, they, they are, obviously Neymar's the, the god, but, you know, the, as for up-and-coming... And he was named captain, you know, against Croatia, wasn't he? Which is astonishing. I think he's the youngest in the squad by a good couple of years. Uh, I'm not, you know, I've not been watching the friendlies. I don't. And the Brazil setup has been weird for years. You know how they pick players. I, to be honest, I wouldn't have a problem if Firmino started ahead of him. Okay. I just, you know, and people, it's the fake arguments. I mean, he's about five years ahead for me now, and he's developed. I don't know how old he is, but he's obviously a lot older than Jesus. Uh, so you're comparing a 21 year old with a 26 year old to to make up two ages. Uh, it's not really a fair argument. I think Firmino's a superb player, and there's no problem if he was, you know, and we've discussed Jesus repeatedly on, you know, during the domestic season. He's had his problems. Uh, I think the spoilt for choice with Neymar there as well, but I don't. You know, I wouldn't sit here arguing that Jesus should get in ahead of Firmino, but it seems that the common thought from the Brazil manager and in Brazil that that Jesus and a, you know, if you think of building for the future again, then maybe you can argue that Jesus gets in the side. Uh, but for me, I would pick Firmino. I think, but you know, he's splitting hairs. I'd be happy to put either in. So. Because I think they're both superb players, but you can't deny that Firmino's had a brilliant season. Uh, because he has, and he's got that work rate, and he unsettled. You know, he drops back, and he leads that line quite well. So, and they both do that. So they both, you know, they both have similar attributes in that respect. Uh, so, for me, it's a close call, and I wouldn't have a problem if Firmino got in ahead. Okay. But do you, David? Totally disagree. I'll wait until David's answered and I'll give you my thoughts. David? I I quite agree with Howard. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge Firmino fan. I think he would actually suit City really well. I don't think that, that, that would ever happen, but I think he would suit City really well. Um, well, it's clear that the Brazil think a lot of Jesus um, and to give him the captain's armband as well. Um, it, it's clear that the manager um, has him as, as the, the, the number nine. I could see, I could see as the tournament develops, them them both playing maybe Firmino in in behind. But again, it's 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 not a bad situation to have, is it? Deciding between Firmino, Jesus, Neymar, um, 
you know, that's what <laughs> that's, that's worth um, that's worth situations to be in. Um, but yeah, no, I I personally I, I I think after the season he's had, I think Firmino is is slightly ahead, but it does seem that Brazil will will start with Jesus. Yeah, um, is there maybe a bit too much pressure on on Jesus going into this tournament? But, but I guess for I'm I'm looking at this as as I'm looking at all of this stuff from from a city perspective and and I guess I've got a little bit of a concern that you know that's a lot of pressure to stick on a mm. on a young lad and say right you're going to be Brazil's number nine in the World Cup this summer um, now let's say that he starts as Brazil's number nine and as the tournament develops Firmino takes his place or if he struggles a little bit I just don't know if that's necessary I kind of see Jesus in in the same way that I say see Leroy that Right, it's great that Jesus is going to the World Cup and we can all boast about the fact that he's um, Brazil's number nine. But if I had a choice, he'd be staying at home this summer. He's 19, 20 years old. He's just had a full season at City where he's played in the Premier League and the Champions League. It will have been a really intense season for him because of, of the amount of time that Aguero spent out and the fact that he has had to play a lot of games and a lot of big games. And I just don't know if, you know, I mean, maybe it will be the making of him, but I have a slight concern uh, about this, what what do you reckon, David? Yeah, I can see that. Um, he he does seem to be someone who is is naturally very fit, though. Um, True. When he when he initially joined and he, he played the full season um, in Brazil, hit the ground running with us in January. Now I know he's picked up a few injuries, but he seemed as soon as he comes back, he seems to be. Um, he doesn't seem to necessarily have the rustiness that, that Aguero has. Um, and where he needs a few games to get back into it, I think he's he's naturally very fit. But still, it's a it's it is a lot of football that he's played from a, from a young age. And as I said, that that gap between the move when he joined City was was so small. Um, it, it, it is a little bit of a concern. But the the, the thing that's in his favour, I guess, is that a lot the, the most of the focus for Brazil will be on Neymar. And now it seems that Neymar's going to be going to be fit and go, going to be playing. Um, that probably reduces the burden on him a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's uh, I think that's a fair shout as well. Just uh, um, reminds me of cricket to be honest because <laughs> sorry to talk about cricket and bore you all but <laughs> the the captain is a huge thing that, you know with uh, with cricket because it there's a big argument that you give you know someone like Joe Root or Cook it takes away from the actual game. It has affected people's games and you and it could work that way. In obviously, we have a different, we have a different idea about the importance of captaincy in, in this country that other countries have, where they often give it just to a senior player or it's moved around. But I, I do agree, Ace. And I do think it's a bit weird in being given the captaincy at this age, and I'd rather yeah. he just concentrated on football and just be allowed, yeah, you know, just get picked for the team and play his game rather than have these sort of things. But we have to get inside his head. We don't know the discussions. Maybe he was well up for it when he was offered it. Maybe he's lobbied for it and said he wants to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the big thing is just, I think it's, I think it's, it's a, it's a heck of a lot of pressure for a young lad to be Brazil's number nine at the World Cup. And looking at it selfishly from a club perspective, of course, if the World Cup goes really well and they win it and he ends up being top scorer, rock and roll because he comes back with a spring in his step. But at the same time, if it doesn't go well, then 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 you can have the opposite effect. And Jesus is a is a huge player for us who who we should protect as, as much as we can. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess I've just got a little bit of a concern there. Can I just say, uh, whilst you were both talking, I know it's terrible, but I just started reading Dmitry Selchuk's uh, 827-word open letter to Manchester City and oh. Pep Guardiola. Oh, no. oh, not open letters. <laughs> all, 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 I can, all I can say is, oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I, my mind is blown. Yeah, I mean, any bullet I, I don't know. I don't. Well, I mean, he's put on. Uh, there's apparently there's now an African curse on Pep Guardiola, and we will never win the the Champions League whilst Pep Guardiola is at Manchester City because of said curse. Um, I mean, it's just it's to be honest, a lot of it is a rehash of stuff that he said uh, previously. So you know he talks about the Arabs and their money and how if they think that Guardiola is there because he loves them or the club that they are deeply mistaken. He's come to the club uh, to make millions off Arab billionaires. Um, he talks about how uh, Guardiola made the or forced City to make the announcement to undermine Pellegrini because he was afraid that Pellegrini was going to win the Premier League and the Champions League like Jupp Henkes did in his final season at Bayern Munich. I mean, yeah, yeah. some 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 absolute nuggets. Uh wow. Thank you, Dimitri. Yeah. Really selling himself into to prospective clubs. So definitely. Well a pound a pound a week. Anybody in the top six can have Torre for a pound a week. Uh, so he can wreak his revenge upon Pep Guardiola. Let's see who uh, let's see who takes that bait. I'm telling you, my money's on United and Mourinho to take that bait all day long. Um, but yeah, anyway, Arsenal maybe. Yeah, not a bad shout actually. Unai Emery could could he could actually do something with with a finished Yaya Torre. Didn't he have a trial there? Or am I thinking of someone else? No, he did. Everybody's had a trial at, at Arsenal. <laughs> like, while Wenger was there, everybody from Messi to Yaya to Cristiano Ronaldo, Wenger could have signed them all. He just yeah. decided for whatever reason he didn't, he didn't want yeah. to. Um, listen, uh, Vincent Company's got another muscle injury. Um, Howard, obviously it's disappointing for him, yeah. uh, but is that a reminder for us to what a risk it is to rely on Vinny. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that that he's picked up the injury and he's been named in the squad. But then maybe I'm not surprised because he is Belgium's captain, and yeah. you know, I don't think. Well, how do you feel? I don't think we need a reminder, do we? <laughs> to be honest, yeah. it's just you know, at some point we'll read that he's gone off injured. So, but he's had a good run again. Uh, yeah, obviously, they know. I don't think there's been a definitive answer on how long he's going to be injured for. So the squad was named a couple of days after the injury. So I'm assuming they think they'll make the England game or at least the knockout stages, in which case it's worth him being in the squad. So it's a three-week maximum. Uh, What can you say that we haven't already said? It gives, obviously, I'm glad he's in the squad because I've always said... This is his swan song. You know, everything is such a huge thing that he can get as their captain in the best Belgium side that their manager will probably ruin anyway, but in the best Belgium side <laughs> in the generation that he got to go there. Uh, and I think I think he's earned that right, you know, to be captain for that tournament. So I hope it's not serious. It's, you know, really wanting to have a swan song there. Uh, mm. But, yeah, what can you say? That hasn't already been said. It's a... It gives Guardiola a difficult decision that he, he probably knew 
he had to make anyway is is he part of our squad next year or do we need to buy another defender yeah um, David what what about for you are you do you think that this is something that Guardiola will have to now think about and consider or with the number of centre backs that we've got at the club do you think that we're kind of covered and it's all right I, I think I think he thinks that we're kind of covered I'm not fully convinced myself um I was I was surprised that um he's been named in the squad actually because we've seen with company when when he's gone off and we're told oh it's a small problem and it's two weeks I don't remember an injury over the last three or four years that where where we've been told it's two or three weeks and he's actually back in two or three weeks um it is usually a lot longer than that and it's interesting they've got this they've named a 24th player haven't they the the guy from um who plays in America the centre back I don't oh, know really? much about yeah there's a 24th and I don't know when I don't know when the cutoff date is when they have to decide between this guy and company, but that there is a an additional backup on top of the twenty three. That's um, right. I've seen this morning that the seventeenth of June is right, okay. ap- apparently that they've got up until the seventeenth of June for Vinny to prove his fitness and or he'll be swapped out. Right. That, there we go. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't it, it wouldn't surprise me if he unfortunately didn't make that, and it it would be it'd be sad to see because it would be. Um, it's such, it's such a great opportunity for that bunch of players. Um, I agree with Howard on the manager, but they've got such a talented squad and for company to lead it after the season he's had where he's, he's come back at the end of the season, lifted two trophies for City. Um, it, it feels like he deserves something like that um, and to, to miss out right on the brink of the tournament would be really difficult. But I think this is just a reminder that that his decision should be made about his, his international career after this tournament. Yes. Yep. Very much so. Uh, okay. I think, uh, I think we've covered uh, most of the, the, the city related talking points from, from the last week in the, in the run up to the world cup. Uh, just very quickly to wrap this up, Howard, who are your favorites for the tournament? Uh, see, I've got this theory that we are again with no evidence to back it up that European competitions European team wins otherwise I'd have gone for Brazil so and Germany I was with Germany a few weeks ago but I'm going off them a bit now because they're not in good form I know it's just you can't tell because Germany are just made for tournaments but I think I'm going to go and I think France will just do something stupid at some point because their squad's immense as well I'm going to go for Spain I think just but there are four or five that are very close. I mean, yeah. it's really, you know, just small mark, fine lines. One one kick of a ball could make the difference. Yeah. Yep. David, what about for you? Um, I really like Spain as well. Um, I'd really like to see Argentina do something. Um, I, I think their their firepower going forward, obviously not just Messi, but Higuain and. Aguero, Dybala. Um, I, I worry about them defensively, and if Caballeros now seems to be going to going to be their number one, then mm. you you worry about that. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm I'm going Spain as well. Um, I mean, their choice of midfielders, the fact that they can leave out Fabregas and Mata and um, Saul, who's who's fantastic for Atletico Madrid, is is very much a backup. It shows the quality they've got in midfield. Um, so, yeah, Spain. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to slightly disagree with both of you. I fancy France 
Uh, I don't really rate Deschamps. I don't think he's a great manager, but I think the talent that they've got is is truly ridiculous. Mm. Um, I think they can field two two sides, two 11s that can get deep, deep, deep into the World Cup. Um, and I think the key thing for, for, for France with this tournament is I feel as though they've got goals and they've got goals right across the front line and throughout the midfield. And, you know, I think with with guys like Dembele and, and Griezmann, they, they've just they've just got so much quality. I just, yeah, I, I think that, I think they could do it. I really do think that, that they could do it. And I think that if, if there is, if they are going to do it, the difference is going to be the firepower that they've got is going to be your Griezmann's, your Mbappe's, your Dembele's. These are the guys that are going to, going to win the tournament for France. Uh, right. Okay, cool. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, David, firstly, that was your debut. Thank you very much. Impressive debut. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Mr. Hawking, as always, thank you very much. Yeah, a pleasure as always. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. As I said at the top, normally this would be a 9320 player podcast and it will go back to being a 9320 player podcast on the 14th of June. But between now and then, please enjoy all the World Cup related content that we put out. And if you like it, consider heading over to our website and signing up. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And as always, up the blues.